The novelty of being able to talk with anyone, anywhere, at any time is something that has become almost a burden to many people these days, and this includes our kids. The fear of missing out, or FOMO as it's often called, has compelled our kids and adults alike to spend vast amounts of time trying to stay connected to the outside world, as well as with those we love most and know best. Yet digital communication, these online connections, in and of themselves still fall short for a number of reasons. And though not everyone is aware of these reasons, parents would do well to gain a better understanding of some of them and the need for actual face-to-face -face interactions. And this is especially true when it comes to how we interact with our own children. Today, we'll be discussing the Teen's Guide to Face-to-Face -face Connections in a Screen-to-Screen -screen World with its author, Jonathan McKee. That's today on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome once again to Licensed to Parent. This is the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with troubled teens. Our goal on the program, as always, is to export some of what we learn inside the gates here so that you can be more intentional in your parenting and avoid the need for residential care. I'm Rich Rosel, and joining me each week on the program is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill Academy, Trace Embry. And Trace, you often talk about the need for parents and their kids to have a personal or face-to-face -face interaction with other people, and especially with one another. But I think that need goes way beyond the mere parent-child relationship and into our and their other interpersonal relationships as well. How, how is it then that a digital tool that can virtually connect people all over the world anytime and in any place can actually be something counterproductive with respect to bonding people and bringing them together. Yeah, that's a funny thing. I, listen, I, I think this is a matter of depth versus width. Uh, we can have a lot of superficial relationships in social media without actually knowing any of these people with any degree of intimacy or, or depth at all. But I, uh, I think the bigger issue, especially for kids, is that they can't possibly keep up with all the potential relationships that are out there in the cyber world. Um, even the most... Superficial ones, uh, you know, when is a friend not really a friend? Uh, there just aren't enough hours in a day. I mean, it's fun, it's amusing, uh, but these devices can also be used to provoke our kids to anger, exasperate them, and, and cause them to stumble in myriad ways when a wise digital protocol isn't implemented by parents. And, Rich, you know my position on, on smartphones, so we won't get into that, but they're also a huge source of addiction. Uh, addiction is basically a clinical term for uh, what the Bible calls idolatry, which is something one can't or think they can't live without. And it's very easy to get your digital life wrapped around the axle when you're trying to stay abreast of everyone and everything all the time, as you mentioned. It's just overwhelming, and I think a lot of kids are starting to realize this. I think the novelty of constantly being an eye slave to dings and rings is finally starting to, to wear off a little bit. Uh, for kids born into this uh, uh, stuff, like the Gen Z generation, uh, I'm seeing that face-to-face -face relationships are becoming more novel, whereas it used to be just the norm to previous generations of kids. And, of course, being in an unplugged environment for a year, Shepherd's Hill is a great place for kids to actually experience the benefits of face-to-face -face relationships firsthand. And they love it, and they love it a lot, Rich. Mm. Uh, l let me put this in terms that, that uh, many of us can identify with. Most people love ice cream. I know I do. But if ice cream was served for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and, and then again for snacks in between meals, ice cream would soon become more of a burden than a treat. I mean, we, 
we would eventually tire of the taste even, uh, not to mention the health issues. Despite all our digital connections, today's kids are lonely and actually craving face-to-face relationships, whether they're cognitively aware of it or not. They've been wired this way by God. And it's funny, it's sad really, because many parents think that their kids don't want anything to do with them. Uh, But just the opposite is true. Deep down inside, kids really do want to spend quality time and quantity time with their parents and get to know them better through face-to-face connections. The, The problem is that so many parents themselves are ebbing their own lives away on their own digital devices. And they're they're now having a tough time figuring out what to say to or do with uh, their, their own kids when they actually do carve out some time uh, to, to do so. Uh, here at Shepherd Sill, our families are kind of forced into figuring it all out, and it's opening up a whole new world for their parent-child relationships. Well, Trace, I, th- I think that what you're saying resonates with a lot of parents these days, and they think, I'd love to figure out how to regain some of that face time in my own life and certainly in my kids' lives, but I don't know where to begin. Well, help is on the way. As I mentioned right at the opening, there is a brand new book called The Teen's Guide to Face-to-Face Connections in a Screen-to-Screen World. And it was put together by uh, author and youth culture expert Jonathan McKee and his daughter, Alyssa McKee. And together they uncover 40 random realizations that they've discovered over the last five years about how we've changed the way we live and think and relate to others based on our screen time. And better than that, in the book, they do discuss solutions. Uh, By the way, Jim Daly, the president of Focus on the Family, says that Jonathan and Alyssa give excellent advice on how to take control of our devices and start enjoying real, authentic relationships. Uh, While I'm sure Jonathan would like to have been able to join us face-to-face in the studio, I'm afraid we're having to connect with him uh, through virtual cyberspace ourselves today, though uh, he is in his own studio uh, space. So basically, it'll sound like we're all together in one room, and hopefully that's close enough at least uh, to to pass this particular uh, thing. We're not having. So we're using tech as a tool. We are using tech as a tool, not a weapon. And uh, we're also not shooting emojis and memes back and forth to one another. <laughs> well, Jonathan, welcome to Licensed to Parent. Oh, thanks for having me. It, it is my pleasure being here. And uh, it, this is an important topic to talk about. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to dialogue with you guys. Yeah. Thank you for writing this book. It's, it's uh, definitely needed. Tell us why real face-to-face connections are so important, especially in a screen-to-screen world. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where young people, like you mentioned earlier, really want relationships here. It's not like they're interested necessarily in technology. There's not a lot of kids who want to bring out a soldering gun and and work on, you know, like circuits and, and electronics. And I mean, there are some kids that do, but most sure. kids like their devices because they like connecting with other people. And uh, as we definitely saw through COVID, we saw kids actually when they were kind of forced to just be by themselves and connect digitally, you'd think, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, well, they would love this because this is what they've been kind of trying to do for the last decade. But we started to see them just going, man, I want to get out and be with my friends face to face. So that's that's one of the things Alyssa and I just really talk about in this book is it's not that phones are bad or evil. Um, They're, you know, these devices that sometimes help us connect. But the problem is that sometimes... uh, you know, this little device that's supposed to, you know, help us connect with others actually disconnects us with the people right immediately with us right there in the yeah. same room. So yeah. those are some of the things we're talking about. We're talking about what that means because even before COVID, there was a survey where about 70% of teens admitted that they wish they could spend more time socializing face-to-face than online. 
And mm. over half of teenagers actually feel like they do spend a little bit too much screen time. So they kind of would like some changes. They'd like some face-to-face. They don't just necessarily know what that looks yeah. like. I describe it as being like, they're like riding a wild bull. They, they don't want to be there, but they don't dare let go either. I, I um. think one thing, by the way, that, that COVID is showing us and is showing our kids, they do suddenly miss whatever personal interactions they were having with, with other people, especially, you know, during a lockdown situation. And wow, that we've still got two out of five kids in our house. And yeah, they were climbing the walls. They really missed seeing other people. And so if mm-hmm. nothing else comes out of this, that would be a great change is to have more of a drive to spend time face-to-face with friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Because young people want relationships and, and they want that interaction. Um, and let's be honest. I mean, our phones and screens can be really fun. I mean, not only do they connect us with others, but they provide entertainment. Mm-hmm. And even though these screens can be really fun, um, we don't want to let them enslave us. And uh, what we're starting to see is young people being really affected by some of the things they're, you know, getting involved on the screens. And and, and I'm going to really, in the book, one of the things we really focus on is, is social media, because most of the research out there right now is revealing that all screen time is not created equal. But when it comes to the mental health crisis, that we're experiencing right now. We're even rolling into COVID and now even more, you know, catalyzed to a different level with COVID where there's more anxiety, uh, teen suicides at an all-time high, all this different stuff. Um, Every study that has looked at this, um, the one thing they do agree on is, man, we are experiencing a mental health crisis and social media is the thing we need to really be careful with. And most of those studies are saying specifically with our daughters, this is affecting them even yeah. more than guys. So a lot of what yep. we do, on, and, and that's why it was so fun to bring a listen to this uh, project with me. And I, I said, hey, I want a young girl to write her perspective about how social media made her feel. And one of the things that she really noticed and talks about a lot in the book is once these two apps were on her phone, Instagram and Snapchat, communication as we knew it completely changed. And she saw that firsthand. She saw less talking face-to-face, more heads buried in Instagram, sending DMs, you know, car rides that used to be full of conversations. Now people isolating themselves with headphones and, you know, these social media conversations. And some of the observations we keep coming out with is that, you know, a lot of us are spending the majority of our time ignoring the people we care about the most. No, there's no doubt about that. There's a saying that, you know, Social media has brought those further from us, closer to us, while driving those closest to us further from us. But we've at Shepherd's Hill, we've noticed a definite difference uh, since smartphones had come out, dealing with with uh, issues on a totally different level, no doubt about it. Uh, but you mentioned COVID. You know, like a lot of maladies, uh, COVID is really a, a magnifier of. Uh, you know, whatever issue, uh, physical or whatever sure. that that people were dealing with before. Uh, COVID gets the blame, but you know I, I've said be- before that I think there's been a systemic mental health problem in America long before COVID hit the scene, and oh, you know absolutely. I do think when you got as many kids on behavioral medications and uh, proliferation of, of uh, all this digital technology through smartphones, you, know, you got to add sleep deprivation into the equation too, and a lot of doctors are not connecting the dots between sleep deprivation and schizophrenia because schizophrenia is a the symptoms are an outworking of sleep deprivation and so they're getting me- medications 
for an issue that might well you know if you just pull a, a check the smartphone in at you know eight o'clock at night or, then then you you'd get your proper sleep and maybe you wouldn't need the meds for schizophrenia or depression or, or the many other uh, outworkings that, that go along with it. So it's a tangled, long conversation on, that I want to really get into. But I, I do know that communication does transcend mere articulation. And so what I want to ask you is, uh, how close are platforms like Skype and Zoom to being a, a mitigating option to what might be lost in a mere texting or even a, a phone conversation, especially for those who've got families out of state, you know, grandparents and whatnot, uh, or, or overseas? Well, I'll go back to what we were talking about earlier is not all screen time is created equal. And every study that's out there that's recognizing this, you know, mental health crisis, which, you know, by the way, is just, it's, it's not even arguable. I mean, one in five adolescent girls experienced a major depressive episode at some point during 2018. Mm-hmm. And that's an 84% increase of the last decade. And when it comes to like mm-hmm. suicide rates, uh, there was a, re- a report from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services that revealed that suicide rates among Americans aged 10 to 24 increased by 56% between 2007 and 2017. So we're starting yeah, to see this mental health crisis happening. And everybody's, of course, asking why, what's going on? And, and it is interesting when you mm-hmm. look at things like you said, like like sleep, for example. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Common Sense Media did a report last year um, asking you know, how many young people brought their phones in their bedroom. And, and this is kind of eye-opening to me because for the last decade, the American Academy of Pediatrics, you know, you're pretty much your family pediatrician has been advising, hey guys, no screens in the bedroom. If, if you're going to give your kids screens early and all that stuff, which is other stuff we don't recommend. And if you're going to let them yeah. have free reign with their screens, which is also what we don't recommend, please, at least one thing, no screens in the bedroom. Yeah. 79% of teenagers bring their phone into their bedroom every night. That's where I really kind of focus my attention. When it comes to things like, hey, Skyping grandma, you know, that's where I'm going to really encourage kids. Hey, this is sure. good screen time, you know? Here's Absolutely. some creative... My, my, my nephew uh, um, is on YouTube learning to play guitar during COVID. And he is, man, he's like wailing. He's like getting really good. And he just spends all this time. And it would kind of be a shame... If my brother and his wife were like, oh, hey, no more screen time, because he's actually right. using it to learn music. You know, I think we need to pay attention to what kind of screen time our kids are, are involved with sure. and be more be more present in their lives. Not so much just monitoring them like some, you know, uh, drill sergeant. Hey, how much screen time is that? But right. making sure that we create, you know, zones in our house that are kind of the safe screen zones. Because if our kids think about this, if our kids didn't have screens in a bedroom, but they're kind of you know, playing games and on YouTube and stuff more in a public place where we're sitting down and saying, hey, can I play with you? Or, hey, what are you watching? That is funny, you know? Then the more we're involved, we're going to kind of have a better concept of what kind of screen time they're on as opposed to our daughter who's up in her yeah. bedroom all night looking at TikTok videos, feeling bad about how fat she feels because the girls she's seen on TikTok aren't fat. And how come right. they have more likes than me? By the way, I, I just read an article talking about the different types of screen time. But, uh, you know, we we do like apps like Zoom or Skype for keeping in touch with, with grandma and grandpa or whatever. Um, yeah. But what I what I was reading, and this actually surprised me, I never thought about it. There Because there is a slight delay in the connections, uh, the, the article I was reading was saying that, that we can't even equate these video chat sessions to being like real-time conversations. 
Because, you know, for example, if you were to tell a joke and then it's another second before the person responds as opposed to responding instantly, that kind of throws off the timing. And our brains are having to go through all these gymnastics to try to resync <laughs> everything and make it make sense to us. But uh, the, the article was saying that um, we can easily sit through a day-long meeting or a day-long family visit, but we may be tired after an hour of Zoom. So uh, <laughs> I, I just think that that's another thing that, that Interesting. parents need to be yeah. aware of well, is, is even the good types of things can still be draining to a child. And Trace, you were talking about the sleep deprivation. If, if you are mentally worn out, that's going to affect mm -hmm. the rest of your day. Well, well, Alyssa and I spend a whole chapter um, talking about the different types of, uh, of technology. And it's interesting because we compare texting versus a normal phone call versus video chat versus face-to-face -face because there was this fascinating study. And it's kind of fun. This is what we like in, in a book like this. We're not trying to be the bad guys and say, your phone is bad, destroy it. We're kind of more saying, hey, here's some information. And since this is written to teenagers, and of course, we put discussion questions at the end of each chapter. So whether like in a school setting like yours or in a youth group setting or whether mom and dad saying, hey, I'll tell you what, let's, you, you want a phone? Let's go through this book first. You got these discussion questions you can talk with them about. Well, in a chapter like this, what we simply do is we say, hey, let's look at how people felt after each of these types of connection. And this study was fascinating. How's it talked about texting, how prone it was to miscommunication, which is why emojis came about to try oh, to, right, exactly. to try to help us understand what did she mean by that when she said, sure, did she mean sure? Or did she mean sure? Or did she mean sure? I'm mad. You know I mean? What do you do? So we stick a smiley face at the end of it. I hate you smiley face. You know, I mean, the yeah. texting is, is so prone to miscommunication. So that compared to all of a sudden, you know, a phone call, well, now you have, you know, verbal and you can actually kind of actually hear, you know, intonation and we can hear voice change. You can maybe hear anger. But then when you add video, it's like, okay, wait, this is way better. But one of the examples we gave is, is uh, my other daughter, Ashley. Alyssa observed Ashley talking with her husband when he was deployed in Afghanistan. And for Ashley, this was like, oh my gosh, Joe's, you know, Joe's Skyping me. And boom, they would immediately either FaceTime or Skype and they would have that video connection. But if you were to tell Ashley, oh, it's just like having Joe right there next to you, huh? She'd be like, no way. Right, Absolutely right, not. Right. Face to face in every situation was rated way higher. And this is one of those things that teenagers aren't even going to argue with. So again, this is one of those things we lay out in the book simply to just dialogue and say, hey, you know, I mean, don't you like it better when your friend's sitting there right there with you, you know? And, and, mm -hmm. and there's definitely situations where there's some kids who kind of have some little bit of, you know, trepidation and anxiety when it comes to interpersonal relationships. And so there are exceptions, but most of us, face-to-face -face is better. And what we're trying to help kids understand is it's not that texting is bad or evil. It can be a great thing. Right. But we need to not let these kinds of connections cause disconnect in our face-to-face -face relationships. Today's guest on Licensed to Parent is author and youth culture expert Jonathan McKee. We've been talking about a brand new book that, uh, as a matter of fact, is just now coming out that he has co-written with his daughter, Alyssa McKee, called The Teen's Guide to Face-to-Face -face Connections in a Screen-to-Screen -screen World. You can find that wherever you get your books. And this is Licensed to Parent. You'll find us right here again in just a moment when our conversation continues. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. 
With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherds Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. Your children are teens now. They're growing up and gaining independence. That's kind of the point of parenting, isn't it? You're raising future responsible adults, but they're not responsible adults yet. They may be able to do things on their own, but you still want to be able to contact them and you want to equip them for success. So you decide to get them a smartphone. But why a smartphone? For most people, that means 24-7 access to everything on the planet. And that's not wise, nor is it healthy. Digital addiction is prevalent these days. In fact, we see teens of all ages dealing with mental health and behavioral issues rooted in overuse of technology. Issues that affect health, wellness, ability to focus, performance in academics, and more. That's why at Licensed to Parent, we want you to choose a wise phone alternative instead of a smartphone. More information is available at LicensedToParent.org slash wisephone. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, and you'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org. Uh, our guest on the program today is author and youth culture expert Jonathan McKee, and we're talking about a book that he co-wrote with his daughter Alyssa called The Teen's Guide to Face-to-Face Connections in a Screen-to-Screen World. And Jonathan, I know that in one of the chapters in the book, uh, you and your daughter talk about, I believe it's called Instagratification, which uh, yeah, if, if yes. you're not making the connection, it has something to do with Instagram. T- tell us a story that went into that. Yeah, you know, this is one of those chapters where it was funny because like I we go back and forth in the book and I'd write a chapter, she'd write a chapter and and the behind the scenes in this is, you know, she would turn, you know, turn in a chapter to me and I would read it. And this is one that my wife and I read and we literally just wept. Her story about in, about insta gratification, it, it was basically where she just described this particular day um that she says that her day had been hijacked by Instagram because it just a- allowed, you know, them to take you know, take themselves to unhealthy places. And she went on this road trip to this beach volleyball event with her friends. And and the results were truly life altering for her. She said that she spent more time trying to find the Insta perfect picture spots than actually enjoying the event. And as she described mm-hmm. the event and she described, you know, like, they're like, oh, wait, let's take a pic here. And it was, and, and she just kind of started to get uncomfortable because she's like, man, we, we aren't even enjoying what's going on. It's more about how are we going to document this day? And what and what are our viewers going to think? Because everybody is all about viewers, you know? And we can all read the numbers um, because, I mean, we actually live in a day and age right now where 89% of teenagers actually want to be an influencer in some way, 89%. And we're starting to see 
teachers and everybody's starting to talk about how much kids now aren't talking about, I want to be a nurse or I want to be a fireman. I want to be an influencer. I want to be an Insta celeb. I want to be a YouTube star. I want to be a TikTok star. And what's ended up happening because of this is very often people are so concerned about their followers and they're so concerned about likes and every moment. So Alyssa, she's describing this day. She She's describing how, okay, so they're taking pictures and then immediately they're looking at the pictures. And and she said one of the things that was a huge struggle for her is as she looked at the pictures of her and her friends, she said, I couldn't help but compare. And she says this, and I quote, that's the one thing Instagram always does to me. It makes me compare. And comparison is the thief of joy. And yeah. as Alyssa just describes the day, um, it's it's just eye-opening. And she basically um, went home, ended up throwing her phone on the ground and just bawling because the day was nothing like she expected. She thought everybody else looked good in the pic, but she didn't. Um, and she just deleted her Instagram. And she said, I'm going to do this. And she got on the phone with me and was like, I'm going to delete it. And I don't know how long. And a day or two later, she calls back and she says, I'm going to do it for a year. I'm just going to try it. Yeah. And this was fascinating because this was happening literally as she was writing the book. And so at the end of the book, she kind of reports about what's been going on. And one of the most fascinating things that she talks, and, I, and again, I just keep, you know, I, I'm a kind of a sappy guy. I, I, I wept again. And she describes this time where she says she's in the car with her friend and the two of them are driving down the road in a convertible. And she says, as the wind was whipping through our hair and we were just enjoying the music and driving down the road, she said, I can't explain the freedom I had. She said, I used, this used to be a moment where I would have been so concerned about, hey, let me take the perfect pick of the moment. And she said, I didn't even have to think about that. She said, I just enjoyed the moment. Yeah, it was, it's empowering too. And I think a lot of people, a lot of parents need to know that uh, there's a grassroots movement among kids right now. And the kids, not just because they're stuck here at Shepherd's Hill for a year or two, uh, but they're telling me what's going on in their schools back home, that there's a grass, it's actually cool for kids to be unplugged. Yeah, and yeah they call themselves actually, minimalists. Yeah, it's it's moving in that direction uh, it's the ultimate uh, empowerment, uh, independence, and they're starting to get a little taste of what childhood uh, was like maybe for their parents a little bit. Yeah. Uh, our guest on the program today is author and youth culture expert Jonathan McKee. Thanks so much for, for spending time with us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, Absolutely. no, my, my privilege. I, I, it, was, it was a fun conversation. Always fun to dialogue with you guys. Well, thank you. And again, our guest today on Licensed to Parent, author and youth culture expert, Jonathan McKee. Uh, We've been discussing a brand new book that he has co-written with his daughter, Alyssa, called The Teen's Guide to -to Face-to-Face Connections in a Screen-to-Screen World. And you can find it basically wherever you get your books. Uh, That is it for today's edition of Licensed to Parent. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it or any of our past programs again, you can do so on our website, licensedtoparent.org. And speaking of trying to have face-to-face connections in the screen-to-screen world, one of the problems is that in an effort to give our kids a tool to be able to reach us when they're out, for example, especially in a day when payphones no longer exist on every street corner, We parents are often giving our kids smartphones, which are the very devices that open the doors to challenges we discussed today. Well, I'm happy to let you know that we have found what we think is a wise phone alternative as opposed to a smart phone alternative. 
If you'd like to learn more, we've assembled some information, and it's all available on our website, and you can find it when you go to licensedtoparent.org slash wisephone. Again, licensedtoparent.org forward slash wisephone. Our guest coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you back again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.